0: Everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Second Cup Show, where we make peace with being human. Uh, I am so excited to introduce you to Paige Allen today. Um, Paige has written a really beautiful book called He Knows Your Name. I have it right here. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to do a giveaway with um, my Second Cup subscribers. So be looking and listening for that. Um, And um this book He Knows Your Name the subtitle is How 7 Nameless Women of the Bible Reveal Christ's Love for You. And when I had the opportunity to read this book, I jumped on it and I loved every single bit of it. And so it feels like a real honor to be sitting across from Paige today. And so I just like to say welcome Paige. And thank you. you. Can you just jump in and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about. I would love to. I'm really excited to be here with you this morning.
1: Uh, Yeah, so my name is Paige Allen. I live in Texas, and if you see my handle down there, that's pretty obvious. So um, I am a wife. Uh, I'm a mom of two middle school girls. So um, yeah, you could actually my girls are amazing, but we're also we're kind of in the in the thick of the, uh, of the drama and the hormones. But, um, and, uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, I work at a church uh, in Lubbock, Texas, and, um, I wear a lot of hats here. I get to do some great things. Uh, we have a home for women who are kind of getting a second chance to rewrite their stories. And I give oversight to that. I oversee our women's ministry, um, global missions, and um, I'm on the communication team. So um, so I do that. And then, yeah,
0: and then I wrote this book that I'm so excited that we're going to talk about today. I am so excited about it too. I am so glad that you came on here to speak with us today um, because I feel like this is a message uh, in your book that so many people can relate to and so many people need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll segue into that by saying again, when I saw the title of your book come across my inbox as somebody who I might get to speak to, I saw the subtitle, How Seven Nameless Women of the Bible Reveal Christ's Love for You. And I was instantly hooked with that word nameless mm-hmm. because and people who follow the second cup at all, they'll know this. This is not old, um, old new, new news to them, I should say. Um, but I have really been wrestling with um, just the whole concept of how our culture tells us, or maybe just in our country, but maybe across the world, um, that we need to make a name for ourselves. Okay. I think in our education, in our the books that we read, in... Um, The stores that we go to with the little slogans that we read, everywhere we go, there are these kind of subliminal messages like, you're only worthy, you're only successful if people know your name, make a name for yourself. And so your book is completely countercultural. And I was hoping you could just talk to us a little bit more about that word nameless, and also maybe offer a little bit of encouragement for people who are wondering, gosh, nobody does know my name. What am I doing with my life? Am I doing enough? Am I loved? Am I worthy?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I feel this too. And um, and I actually, I, I knew I was going to write a little bit about that, but I didn't know fully. What, what I just knew was, like you I, I work with a lot of women, you know, here at the church. And what I found was this consistent thing of, regardless of stage of life or age, everyone was asking these same questions, you know? And so I remember like sitting across from a girl in her twenties who was just hoping to get married and, and her namelessness was in a different kind of box, but just like, why, why are guys not, (laughs) why are they not taking notice? It's like, nobody knows who I am. And, and at work, I'm on the bottom of the, you know, of the pecking order. And, um, I'm just doing spreadsheets all day. And when am I ever going to be known? And then I would talk to another woman who, you know, maybe was a mom with little kids and was just like, Paige, it's just goldfish crackers and um, you know, changing diapers and trying to get my kids buckled, you know. And and at the end of the day, I look up and I'm like, what did I do? Like, definitely no one knows my name, other than my kids. And they don't even really know my name. They just know me as, you know, mom. Whatever, mom and um and they say it just- all day. <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to hear that name anymore. And um, mm-hmm. Or then, but then I also started talking to some really amazing wise women who are older that were finding themselves as empty nesters or even widows and also facing a totally different angle of it, but just like, what, what's now, what now? Like I, I, I ran my race and I raised these kids and, and yet I, I think I still have another 30 years. Like, but you know, what's, what's my purpose? And And you're right. I think that, A, it's a little bit just natural human nature to want to feel significance, to want to feel like our lives matter and we are fulfilling God's purpose. But we layer that with all of culture, all of the messages that we're getting, which is... You know, how many people know your name? What does your platform look like? What, um, you know, uh, what stages have you been on? If you own a business, how successful is it? Like how, you know, how profitable are you being? And so literally almost in every industry of life, we have created these constructs that it's like, this is what it looks like <laughs> to be successful. And And so um, I I think that was in the back of my mind. And um, I was talking to a lady one day after a Bible study, and she just happened to use the phrase that she was studying the nameless women of the Bible. She was talking Mm. to me specifically about a woman in the Old Testament. And she, like you, she just used that phrase, nameless women. And she walked away, and it just kind of like lodged in my heart. And I was like, the nameless women. And I started realizing that I I was already like studying them. I had not labeled them or put them in a category, you know. But I I was so drawn to the woman with the issue of blood, or the woman at the well, or um, there were just so many different stories. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to kind of go on a journey and try to dive deep in the Word of God at just looking at the nameless women. And and this is what I kept thinking: we don't know their names. And yet their stories are still teaching us centuries later. And if if I could just stop worrying about my name being known, you know, um, and instead was just like, Lord, use my life, you know, in a way that glorifies you and that can benefit the people that are coming behind me. Like, am I okay with that? Like, I kind of had to wrestle. Am I okay with that? and i came mm-hmm. to myself like yeah i am and i actually think most people would be we just want our lives to matter you know and so so yeah um that that's kind of where all that came from um, with all these nameless women
0: oh, oh well i and as you're talking about the na- the different nameless women and how their stories all of these years later are still being told and taught from it reminds me of the story with the woman who pours the oil all over Jesus' feet. Wipes, wipes um, his feet with her hair. Um, isn't it there where Jesus says, "Like everywhere"? Or what is? Oh, shoot, yeah. you'll, I'm sure you can say it better than I. But I'm not gonna well, get it exactly. But like
1: from this day forward, your name will be—I don't—oh, your name will be known, or something like that. Uh, maybe that's so right. That's you, like you, but like I have she my will
0: book. Always be. Yes. This woman will always be remembered. Be remembered. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And her story will be told. And Jesus was absolutely right about that because here we are today in 2024 Mm -hmm. talking about that woman. And that's pretty astounding. That is pretty astounding if you stop and think about it. That woman didn't have an Instagram. She -hmm. didn't have a platform. She didn't Mm -hmm. go about making a name for herself. She was just overcome by love. And she was just coming near to the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: is what she is known for. So right. maybe we could take a lesson from that. Um, Absolutely. Well, that more As we're talking it out.
1: I know. I know. You know, in that story too, we're actually told the name of the Pharisee that Jesus was at his house, Simon the Pharisee. Um, and so even in that, like, you know, one person got their name told, but we don't know him in a in a positive light, you know, yeah. and, and the woman, we will never know her name, but she's a lesson for us to learn from, a model for us of exactly, like, what if I worried less about my name being known, and I worried more about just getting close to his feet and worshiping him, like, yeah, um, I think that kind of life is the life that others take notice of, you know?
0: so yeah yeah so as you're talking about that um Mm -hmm. the kind of life that others take notice of i cannot help but bring this question to you because there are so many people in the second cup community who are working on building some sort of platform to share their Mm -hmm. art to share their message that they feel like the lord has given them to share their beautiful poetry etc Mm -hmm. And I have the privilege of knowing a lot of these people and I feel like I'm right alongside them. We're constantly hearing this message. And I know for those who dream of, um, for example, publishing a book traditionally, Mm -hmm. especially maybe. We're hearing this message Mm -hmm. that we do have to be known. We Mm -hmm. do have to have X number of followers. We do need to build an email list. We do need to be standing on stages and talking to lots of people and have a reputation. And there's this tension there. Right. Because maybe in our hearts we've come to that place of wrestling, just like you were talking about like is it okay if nobody knows my name, but that I am helping draw people to the feet of Jesus and we maybe have come through that wrestling and been like, "Yes, it is okay, and I I have this inside me that I want to get to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hearing messages that no, you need to promote yourself, you need to have a name, or you can't share this message. Um, and it's just like this really hard tension, and okay. I was just like, "What is your perspective on that?" Being a traditionally published author, mm-hmm. um, and somebody who clearly loves Jesus. What do we do with this?
1: (laughs) I know it is so, it's so hard. It is this, it is this tension, you know, that we're constantly, I know I am constantly battling. Um, You know, I I would say this, okay, two things. First thing is this, is that for me, at least, I really have had to check my heart um, because, oh, I can just so easily get caught back up in, and in, in trying to build myself up, in trying to um, align myself, um, not even with the people that um, that I'm in agreement with or in sync with of, of you know, common messages, but but followers. Um, and actually, like in the process of writing this, okay, so um, something that's so interesting and I think I barely touch on it is I got this book idea um, probably nine years ago Um, Like wrote the book proposal the whole nine yards, nine years ago. And I went to a couple of writers conferences and uh, my very first writers conference, I, you know, pitched it, I think to three people and I'll never forget um, one of those pitch meetings. um, The lady, she was actually eating lunch um, where I know her now uh, to this day. She was, she's actually a lovely lady. Um, she's eating your lunch, she's eating her cookie, and she's like sitting back, and she's like, "Okay, go." And so I, I start going, and I'm like, you know, I've got like 15 minutes or whatever. Of course. And it was great because as I start to explain, I have this vision of writing this book about the unnamed woman of the Bible. She actually put her cookie down, and she leaned forward, and so she's like, "Huh? Oh, tell me more." And we had a great conversation, and I gave her my book proposal, but she actually said, "I want you to do. You see this stack right here." and there was a stack sitting next to her chair that was almost up to the armrest of her chair. And she said, I'm going to put your papers right here. And, um, I just, I just need you to see, you know, all of these book proposals I've been given. And she said, and a lot of them are really good. And she was Uh, so kind though. She said, I will tell you this. I will read your book proposal. I am intrigued enough. And I think she put like a sticky note on her or something. She goes, I want you to see this. And, um, and um and so she she put it to the side and I I left. And um I actually heard back from her like t- a couple weeks later and she said, I did read it. I like the idea, I like you, but I don't know if anyone knows your name. And and she said in a really kind way, like, you know, like bottom line, we are a business and we have to figure out if we can sell this book. And she said, so, so what if we take six months and, and basically she said, you work on some stuff, you work on your platform. And she, she gave me some specific things to do. And, um, I did the things and, um, I even did more sample writing and we had a couple more meetings. And at the end of the day, she sent me an email that just said, I, I took it again to the board, the publishing board and bottom line, we don't feel like we can sell this book i like it i like the idea and i think something in the line was like if it was someone else we would definitely sign this book okay oh right like and i mean i was crushed right and and i'm sure so many people listening You've probably had a similar experience or maybe you haven't even gotten that far. I think the fact that I had gotten that far, like my hopes had just really like started to rise and this is going to happen. It's going
0: to make it worse. Yeah, I, it's, it's worse yeah, that way. And,
1: um, and so I just, I was so crushed. I I put it on the shelf. I put I put it on the shelf and prayed about it. And I actually went back to that same conference a year later. Um, I reached out to her again and and she encouraged me to try to get an agent. And I met with a couple of agents and the things that they wanted me to do, I just, it just didn't feel true to who I was to try to build my platform. And I just came to a place finally, Deidre, where I just felt like the Lord was like, just, just trust me. Just trust me and and do what is in front of you today. And so I I 100% put it on the shelf. I I looked at self-publishing. I had self-published a couple of Bible studies before, so I understood that process. But for me, I knew in my spirit for some reason, and even when I was praying, the Lord said, don't self-publish this. It's supposed to go farther than what your reach is, but you have to trust me with my timing. So I put it on the shelf. And in that season, I'm going to tell you, I was super tempted to try to, I don't know, try to create a false platform. And I think that's maybe where it comes in is I don't think there is actually anything wrong with a platform. It's just, is it the platform that God has called you to, or are you just trying to mimic what you've seen so many other people do that have had, you know, a level of success? And it was in that season too, that God so worked on my heart. I share this story in the book. It's about, it's about India. And, um, oh, I story, I you that story. okay, well, um, so I, I love India. Um, I, I've been five times and, um, I, I maybe, no, it wasn't the last time I went It's the fourth time that I went. Um, I'd had an amazing trip. I, it was an all women's trip. We were doing women's conferences and I had this interesting like 24 hours where um, I spoke at three different women's events. And the first one was like, um, basically like a small group in a woman's home. It was like, uh, you know, a late morning. And these were, um, I would call them probably like middle class um, Indian women. Um, they all spoke English and they had kids. I literally felt like, oh, I'm back. I'm back home. Like with some of my friends and I mean, we drank tea and um, had cookies, oh. and we just we like had this amazing conversation. And and I I spoke a little bit about worry and trusting the Lord, and and it was so great. I, I didn't even want to leave, but I had to leave, and got in the car and drove about an hour away to um, a real impoverished area of India, kind of in the slums of India, and um and in this location, no one spoke English. Um, they they spoke more of a, a almost a tribal language. And word had gotten out that we were coming. And so we were like in this tiny, like concrete, um, cinder blocks room building and the women, they just came out of everywhere, the whole area. And, (laughs) um, there were no chairs. I mean, they were sitting on the, on the ground, on the concrete, like it was so tight. I remember, I remember speaking and my back was against this cold concrete wall because there was. I mean, there was just no space and I'm looking up and there's, there's these tiny like little windows with bars and their women's faces through. And then, um, next door, there were women listening and, and I ended up speaking on the exact same thing on, on worry. Yeah. And they were, they were just so receptive and it was, it was just beautiful. And then that night we're going back and, um, my contact, she calls me later and she says, Hey, um, can you, can you do one more? It was, it was our last day. And she goes, I know you're tired, but this, this opportunity just opened up and it's really cool. I think you're going to love it, but your team can't come just you. And I was like, I mean, okay, sure. I didn't, we, I think it was like a in sightseeing day. So I sent them off and I went with her and, and this was very much like the affluent neighborhood, um, in Mumbai. And we go into this really nice apartment and I walk in and I'm kind of like, what, what is going on? Like, why can't my team come? And, and she begins to explain to me. She goes, "Well, this is kind of like India's elite. A lot of these girls are Bollywood actresses and models." And um, and and she introduced me to um, this pastor's wife who had met once before. And she and her husband had started a specific ministry, specifically reaching out to. Their terminology was the up and in instead of the the down and out. Mm-hmm. And so there were security issues and whatnot. And so I'm sitting in this room and with literally the, the, the most gorgeous women I have probably ever seen in my life. And, I and yet they imagine. were, can you, yeah, I mean, all like, things. yeah. And, yeah. and yet they were just so, uh, free to be themselves. I mean, most of them didn't have on makeup and we just had these great conversations. And again, I spoke on work. It was so interesting. I did the exact same message, all three places and they're just sharing. And it was, it was wonderful. And so I, I was thinking about how, unique that moment was that within 24 hours, I had been in like a middle class, like reminded me of me and my friend's home, a very impoverished neighborhood, but just how, how hungry those women were for the Lord. And it was just such a beautiful, I I, I think I used the, the word in the book, like every location just felt so holy, you know? And then I sat with these women who, you know, the world was clamoring after, and they also were just so hungry for the Lord. And and so I was like, I, I can't wait to go home and tell people about like, you know, how the Lord was just in each place. And then I got home and I had jet lag and I, I did what I do when I am bored and I got on Instagram
0: yeah, and that's really, and,
1: cool. right. And I decided to just try to figure out who the girls were that were at that last home. Because I knew that they were, like, famous, but i was not familiar with Bollywood. You know, I don't really know. Um, but I, I, again, I knew, like, the pastors. So I could, like, you know, we know how to do that. We know how to figure stuff out um, oh, yeah. on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Right. We know. We know. <laughs> so so I'm looking through, and I I come across one of them who had just, like, opened up her heart and, like, shared. And I just, like, you know, so, like, connected to her. And I, I go to her profile, and she has 3 million followers, Deidre. And I was, like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I was like teaching a woman with 3 million followers. And then I look at like her friend and, and I'm like, oh, and she was there. And I look and like, oh, she's Miss India. I didn't realize okay. that she was Miss India. Like she had just competed in the Miss Universe pageant and gotten like third run rep or something. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I look at this one and this one and this one. And I, I just, I did what we do. I kind of just, you know, <laughs> scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. And what ended up happening is I, with each new discovery, it was just like, oh, look at how great you are. Look at, look at how God used you. Look at how, you know, oh man. And all of a sudden, the story I was telling to my friends changed. And I wasn't talking about the three holy moments of God just loving women. Instead, the story was, well, God used me. God used me to get to go talk to these special women. And I actually was preparing to preach a message. And I literally was like, okay, and this is going to be my illustration. And I felt like the Holy Spirit like stopped me and was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, why have you... Changed this story. Basically, it is now a story about you instead of a story about me. And it's becoming a story that's trying to say, look at this platform I have instead of, look at how God loves his daughters. And he's like, you felt my same presence in every location because I don't look at Instagram numbers, I look at hearts. And the girl with 3 million followers, she had a hungry, hungry heart. But that lady, you know, who is struggling to survive, she had a hungry, hungry heart. And I met them. And it just so convicted me. And and I felt like in that moment too, Deidre, that the Lord was like, and your desires, that I've actually, I have placed them in your heart. This desire for this book, this desire to use the words I'm giving you, like I want to use them. But we need to do some refinement in your heart before I can really trust that you can handle a platform that's larger than what you have right now. And, you know, I don't know if that feels harsh, but for me, it was, that's just where I was at. And so um, here I am, you know, from from the initial like book thing that was nine years, that was probably like three years later, six years I just see now that the Lord just had to really do some work in my heart before I was ready for the book deal. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to put that. I'm not saying you're not getting a book deal because, you know, there's something wrong with you. I'm not trying to say that at all. I will say this. My book is totally different nine years later because of what he walked me through. And Mm. I, at this point now I'm so much like, God, Thank you that the know-it-all page who it was still, it was a God idea, but it was not fully formed nine years ago because I had to work through some things and the book you wanted me to write, um, it's, it's different. And so, um, I will say this though, this is, this is the hope, (laughs) this is the thing. So what ended up happening, here's the thing, my platform in those nine years actually has not changed a ton. It hasn't like, if you go, go to my Instagram right now, go to my Instagram and follow me. But what you're going to see is, <laughs> yes, um, you. is, um, I, I don't have 10,000 followers. I don't have 20,000 followers. I don't have 40,000 followers. I don't, I mean, you don't have 3 million followers page. I don't have 3 million followers. I think I have <laughs> a little over 2000, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, um, at all. Um, but, but what ended up happening was, um, during COVID, Um, I was told about a writing cohort and I heard, I like, I was standing in a coffee shop and I felt like the Lord said, you need to apply for that right now. And they were accepting five people. And I thought, Lord, I've, I've been rejected. And there were some more rejections in that nine years, you know, I I was still working (laughs) at it, you know, and I just, I heard him say, go do it, go do it right now. And so while I was in that coffee shop, I went and I sat down and I filled out the application. And a month later I got accepted and I did, I did this writing like cohort where we basically recreated our book proposals. And in that time I went back to this original book proposal and I realized, Oh, I'm different. Therefore this proposal needs to be different. And that writing cohort led to an agent. And, and even the agent was like, it wasn't my plan (laughs) to take on a new client but I think I'm supposed to do that. And she helped me so much to be able to say, you have a platform. Um, maybe you're just looking at it the wrong way. And Mm. we were able to basically say, I don't have all these numbers, but, um, I, this is what I do have. And so we just recrafted it. And so I would encourage people to, to say too, like, Maybe you have more of a platform than you realize, you know, maybe you just need to look at it from a different angle. Like maybe you should stop comparing your numbers to other people's numbers and instead say, oh, but wait, I have actually taught this many small groups. I have actually, you know, some things like that. And, um, and, and it just kind of went full circle. And so I'm
0: sorry, that was such a long answer, Deidre, but I'm passionate about this. Yes, yes. And thank you for just being so transparent, too, about, yeah. like, the things that you struggled with along the way and also just how God kind of was instructing your heart um, mm. and, like, continually pointing it towards um, humility. Uh, because I think, you know, I think that's always the fine line that we can walk as people who want to share a message because, It gets so, like, we can go into it being, you know, just having come out of time with the Lord and being like, yes, Lord, I want this to be all about you, and I want it to be your name, not my name. But then, like you were saying, like, maybe we find, like, some modicum of success, and we're like, oh, that was me. Oh, Mm -hmm. actually, like, I did pretty good. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I got to talk to this and." Somewhere along the way, there's just this little tiny switch. And I think that we can find ourselves in some kind of some hot water without even realizing that we're kind of wading in the waters of pride. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that I'm learning is just, it is like a continuous coming back to the Lord, like with every, whatever it might be, right? Like With every speaking engagement, with every post, Instagram post, with anything Mm -hmm. that you do, every day coming back to the lord and being like wait am i still coming from a place of you or am i coming from a place of me um yeah. so i just really appreciated you sharing some on that um yeah and that's encouraging too yeah. you put i have a i have a book proposal in a drawer look i have it i have all of the pieces and i yes. last week i've had i i i have a completed book proposal and i had all of the different chapter notes, like in front of my desk right here is like a little clothespin line kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at them for a year and a half now. And I, um, I pitched, I pitched this proposal to an agent this summer Mm -hmm. after going to a writer conference. And I was like, this is it. I have this message. It wasn't my first book proposal, by the way, I've done other ones, but I was like, this one is the one, um, the Lord has given it to me. I feel good about it. And I pitched it to an agent. I gave it all I had. I was feeling good. And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, no. I, I have somebody else who has a similar message. And publishers aren't interested in that either. <laughs> and she has oh. way more followers than you. And I was like, crushed, crushed, crushed. Like, there's someone else with my message. So I'm not unique. Um, yeah. There's somebody else who um, has more followers than me. So she seems more um, marketable and more useful, right, than I do. Mm-hmm. And the message isn't any good anyway because nobody wants it. <laughs> and so it was like a triple. Um, but after I stopped crying and got over being crushed for a couple weeks, um, I I just talked with the Lord about it. And I felt like he was like, you know, Deidre, like I've given you this dream of a book. And I'm going to follow through on it, but mm-hmm. you are just over here trying to like strong arm your way into doing it, how you think it should be done and the timing you think it should be done in. And I was like, okay, God, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. And it honestly gave me actually a huge, like, I felt like this big exhale of relief when when I realized that. Because he was like, "Just stop, just stop yeah. striving. I got you. You can relax a little bit mm-hmm. and enjoy your mm-hmm. life along the way. You don't have to just be fighting and pushing and trying to grow all the time." Um, and that was just so encouraging.
1: Yeah, yeah. I,
0: so I put it in my yeah. desk and it's living there okay. for a while. I and I'm okay with that. that. That's
1: good. No, that's good. You know. What I what I would encourage you and someone else, others listening to though, is when it's a God idea and when he gives it to you, um, it will not leave you alone. Like yeah. like in those nine years, I put it on the shelf, but uh, the way it worked for me is especially when I was in worship, I would just like have another idea and I'd be like, it's mm. not, we're not working on that right now, you know? And he was like, I know, but just, <laughs> just jot that down, just jot that down. And, you know, like I just, he, if, if it's from him, you, you will not be able to shake it. And, and so it's just that, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you with the timing. And so much of it comes to trust and obedience, trust Mm -hmm. and obedience. And so if he Mm -hmm. tells you to go talk to that exact same agent, um, then do it, you know, yeah. the other thing that so helped me, I heard, um, uh, oh, I'm gonna go blank on her name. Her name is Jamie Lima. She she's a makeup lady, and she 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 um. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking? I don't know who I'm talking about. She did it cosmetics. Wow. Anyways, she has this quote. She said, "What if we began to reframe rejection, not as there's something wrong with us, but rather that it's the Lord hid our value from that person because they are not connected to our destiny," and Ooh. that so resonated in my heart. And because rejection is real and it hurts. And if, if we don't take it to the Lord, which is what you did, it can, it can, it can spiral us and we can be totally sidelined for a long time. So Mm -hmm. instead of seeing rejection as a personal indictment against us, instead we can just see, Oh wait, no, this is God protecting me not because there's anything wrong with that person, but they're just not attached to my destiny. And um, so he, he is hiding me Ooh. and my value from them for this season, but he will, Ooh. he will unveil it to someone else who is connected, you know, to my destiny. So um, that, that you was a on that, time.
0: Yeah. Right. Like, think about it. Think about it. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh. I, I really got to like, let that soak in. I was getting the, you know the goosebumps uh-huh. on my arms as you were saying that. Oh, um, yeah, and and I don't know. In tandem with what you were just saying there, and uh, where am I going with this? I I guess something else that I wanted to bring up was you were talking about. Okay, still your platform or your I should say your Instagram following right. is. How many? Couple thousand or something yeah. you said? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And it it can be easy to look at those people too who very quickly grow their following. Um, and I I actually talked about this on another podcast episode with um, Jennifer Dukes Lee, because she oh, has yeah. her book Growing Slow and yes. talking about the value of growing slow. Um and she, she's my acquisition and- editor. So she's the, she's the one who got my book. She's
1: the one. Okay, who was the one. She was the one connected to my destiny and who saw it. So sorry, it's I just awesome. have to say it's that it's all
0: coming awesome full circle here. She's, she's the lady. She's she's my. <laughs> okay, so she's this the is a little shout out. Of, yes. to Jennifer Dukes Lee woot. Um, <laughs> but I guess where I'm going with this is, I, you know, whenever I start to feel some of that rejection, because I do feel like, um. Being a writer you pretty much get rejected a, a lot. <laughs> like it's like a you have to get used to it. Like it's a it's part of the job. Um yeah. and since I left my teaching job a year and a half mm-hmm. ago to become a full-time writer and editor, I have experienced tons of rejection. Or I'll put an idea out there and I'm like, I have a vision for this. Mm-hmm. The Lord has given me this vision. It's going to be amazing. And then other people aren't seeing the vision. And I'm like, come on, guys, come see the vision. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes it can be, it can be, it feel very personal when other people have bigger followings or feel like other people are seeing their vision and not your vision. Um, And I was, I was talking to the Lord about this on Sunday, actually, I was feeling kind of down about this earlier this week. Mm -hmm. And I went on a walk and I was talking to him about this. And he brought to mind the story of the manager and um the given the the talents to, to mm-hmm. the different yes. right right so um one person he gives 10 is it 10 five and one right I think so yes all right um I think five his, two and one five two and one okay five two and one. one so he gives he gives one of his servants five talents Um, he gives another two and then he gives another one. And what struck to me, and then what struck me most about this story was that it wasn't about how many talents per se that the master in this story gave his servants. There wasn't really like a value judgment on how many they received. There was a value judgment on what they did with it. When he was away, like they had been given these certain number of talents and two of them um, invested them wisely and one just buried it in the ground and didn't trust the master. Um, And so I I kind of likened that to be like, okay, maybe the person that I'm comparing myself to on this given day has been given five talents. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have been given two talents at this time the Lord doesn't say that those five talents make that person more valuable to him. Um, and the two talents that I've been given, Holy cow, I don't want to just bury that in the ground and do nothing with it. I have these people that the Lord has given me to be able to communicate with and be in community with and to share his love with. Mm -hmm. And if I'm sitting around moping because somebody else has five talents, then what a disservice I'm doing, um, to the Lord, but also to my two talents worth of people around me. Um, and it, that has really helped me just keep a healthy perspective. I think this week, as I've moved forward, I'm like, by golly, I'm going to invest everything I can into those two talents of everybody I've been given, I want to give them everything I've got from the Lord. And to be so good for each person in that community.
1: Yes. Yes. So good. And because that's what the Lord looks at. Yes. That's so good. Because I Mm -hmm. think the enemy wants to whisper to us, well, compare yourself with the, you know, well, they've got five, you got two. You should just go over and be, you know, pout or be sad or feel, you know, dejected. And then you're right. You're not being a good steward with what the Lord has given you. And, um, Um, Yeah, so, and what a gift that the Lord right now has entrusted you with this community, with the people listening to this
0: podcast and those who are reading your words, like, yes, that's such a gift. And I do, I feel so gifted within the Second Cup community The one of the beautiful things about having, you know, whatever, I think I have like, I don't know, like 1,100 followers on Instagram or something. Mm -hmm. But the amount of people that are engaged, obviously, are far fewer. Mm-hmm. But the people who are engaged, I feel like I have the capacity to actually know them a little bit mm. and to be able to just know their hearts and get to know what they're about. And um, I feel like that's something that you can't always do when you have 3 million mm-hmm. followers. Right. And I don't know. I've just been learning to celebrate that and be like, "Hey, like maybe this is actually a different type of a different type of gift and one is not better than the other. It's just I get this number of people and I get to steward to them." I don't know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um so before we wrap up Paige, I mm-hmm. there was so much that I wanted to talk to you about because there were so many I love each of the women, the nameless women in the book um, that you talk about chapter by chapter. So mm-hmm. um, if you have been listening to this, this this conversation and you're um feeling interested in the book, Paige talks about a couple of the women that she talks about. She alluded to them earlier, but she talks about the women with the the woman with the issue of blood. Um she talks about the widow with two mites. Mm-hmm. Um talks about uh, the woman anointing Jesus's feet with oil and washing it with her hair, the woman at the well, um, and so forth. And each of these women have a life-changing experience with Jesus mm-hmm. And they go from being nameless in the world's eyes, and probably just feeling nameless themselves. You talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. like what their backgrounds might have looked like, and mm-hmm. um, how they were. M- many of them were feeling like maybe isolated from their communities, alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they experience Jesus's love, and then everything changes for them. Yeah. And I really believe that that is available to every single one of us, man and woman today in 2024 as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there are so many of us that have heard like, Jesus loves me. I know, but maybe have never had an experience like that where they have experienced Mm -hmm. Jesus's love Mm -hmm. and thus been able to like move forth Walking in light of that. Do you have any practical steps for someone who is kind of stuck in that before space? Like they mm-hmm. want to experience Jesus's love. They know about it, but they haven't felt it for themselves. Where can they start? Where can they go to feel yeah. that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Because I, I think you're right. There's a lot of people who, or they they believe it in their mind. But yeah, they've just never like yeah. actually like felt loved. And um, I think, I think part of it, the first step is, is making a choice to, to, to try to step closer towards him. And what I mean by that is, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, a, a rejection that hurt and you went out for a walk and you were just talking to him about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's as practical as that, like, okay, I'm going to not, I'm not going to pray like, um, you know, this nice, tidy little prayer that feels safe. But instead I'm going to like actually believe that he's so real that I can just tell him all my stuff and what I'm thinking and I can just lay it out. I think sometimes it's just going over that boundary that we've created of like, this is what polite Christianity looks like versus this is what is a relationship with a real person is like, you know? And so I always think, I always recommend people just to to take that step. And if you've never done that before, it it's scary and it feels a little awkward. And you're like, am I crazy? Is this, but you're not, <laughs> you're not, you know? And um, yeah. what, I, what I do love about all these nameless women in the Bible, not all of them, but there's like three or four of them specifically where they just like, they have like a real conversation with Jesus and they are not mm-hmm. afraid to say, I don't understand this. You know, yeah. I, ha, like, it's okay to be that honest and vulnerable with Jesus of like, I am not okay with this and I'm not okay with this and I don't understand this. And then, and then listen and then be mm. quiet. I think so many people would say they've never heard the voice of the Lord before, but I think God is talking to them. It's just learning to be so quiet and then, mm-hmm. and when I say be quiet, I don't just mean with your mouth. I just mean even like internally, like, oops, sorry. okay, Lord, like, what are you saying to me? And then mm-hmm. believe what you hear, you know? Um, I, I have another friend who, um, he, he walks groups of people through this practice sometimes. And I've, I've done this once just by myself. And, and this is another thing. But I think if you really want to feel that Jesus loves you is, you know, set aside some time. To be quiet, maybe put on some worship music in the background and and pray. And and then and then I, I would encourage you just to kind of like picture yourself literally like sitting with Jesus. Or maybe you're not sitting, maybe you're walking through a field, maybe you're, I don't know, like what, you know, and and um and he says to ask yourself this, or actually to ask Jesus this question. Like, how if you were if you were like walking with Jesus down the street and y'all ran into someone. How would Jesus introduce you to that person? And he says, just get real quiet. Oh, and, listen. Yeah. and what usually ends up happening, I've, I've done this with a couple of groups of people, especially I talked about our women's home. And because a lot of them are really struggling, like, I, I'm going to believe this, but how do I? And so I could just have them get quiet and like, and don't, you know, like, it's okay. Like, there's no wrong answer here, but like, how, how does he introduce you? And so often what they hear are the names that our hearts need to hear like this is my daughter, this is my friend this is this is the one that I love and she's been gone for a while but she's back you know oh, my. and just getting that in such a personal way I think can unlock something so that you start to really know them in a in a personal profound way
0: That is so beautiful that's like that is bringing tears to my eyes. And I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not really sure why, but the second you yeah. said that, I was like, oh, because I, you know, I think, I think something that can really like taint our interactions with the Lord is I think a lot of us have misconceptions that, and just feel a lot of the time, maybe that God is angry with us, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, um, and I think just bringing to mind like, and we can't feel loved. If we're feeling like we're in the presence of somebody who's angry with us, we're, we don't feel vulnerable enough to share our whole selves. We're scared, right? Or we want to protect yeah, ourselves. Yeah. Um, but that illustration of being walking down the street with Jesus, mm-hmm. as you said that, the only thing that I could think of was the way, like I was trying to picture it myself as you were saying it, and all I could picture mm-hmm. was the way he would turn to you mm-hmm. and should have a smile on it yeah. and I could just see the smile and in that smile you just know like he's not he's not there angry with me he loves me he loves yeah. me and he loves you and so I I just yeah. love I think we've been given our um ability to imagine in our brain like not mm-hmm. I'm not we're imagining Jesus, but like that we can like create like a scene in our mind so that we can relate to Jesus when we can't physically see him. Right. I think that is a right. gift the Lord has given us to be able to commune with him.
1: I I agree wholeheartedly. I, you know, I, imagination is from God and, yeah. um, yeah. And he wants to use it, you know, in that way so that you can just imagine. And when you said that, just he looks at you with that smile. It's just that smile of like he is so pre- like you are his creation. Like he wants to show you off. Like, I, let me introduce you to
0: this oh, wow. amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love you. I love that. Thank <laughs> you so much. That. So, Paige, before we say goodbye, can you tell us where everybody can find you in the world and on the internet so that people can you, find your book and follow you. They can see what you're up to. <laughs> lay it on us. Ab- absolutely. Okay. Well, you can find me on social media,
1: Paige Allen, Texas, at uh, the whole word, Texas, after my name. Uh, right. I have a website, pageallen.net. Uh, You can find me, you can find me there. Uh, my book is sold basically everywhere. Books are sold. Um, Amazon, Barnes &
0: Noble, Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me. Okay, so everybody go buy a copy of He Knows Your Name unless you are the lucky person who gets it for free when I do a drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody else go buy it and make sure to follow Paige on Instagram and just see what she's up to. And my very last question is, do you have any other books in the work in your brain? Is there anything we should know to look out for? I I have a I
1: have I have something in my brain and and uh, actually it's on my phone notes I'm constantly I have an ongoing I don't have anything like official official but yes
0: I do have I have an idea that I'm really excited about so we'll see cool well we'll <laughs> see and um it's just been such a pleasure to talk with you today thank you so much for coming on to the second cup show oh I loved it thank you for having me All right. We'll talk soon. Bye.